All right, good evening, church. We are getting very near the end of our series entitled Make a Difference, Learning to Follow God Well. And for the vast majority of our, of our series thus far, we've looked at positive examples that have been highlighting what it looks like to follow God well and the outflow of that. The positive outflow is seeing how you follow God well and then the making a difference impact. Now, we've looked at several people and and, and we've watched their stories. A few classic examples might be persevering in prayer, as we saw with Hannah. Um, we saw about living with lifelong uh, humility in, in Samuel and, and even hearing, uh, or learning about hearing from God and getting direction from God and then, and then um, acting, acting on that. We're, we're now near the end of our series, and we are looking at a guy that had so much potential, a guy named King Saul. So much potential to make a, an incredible difference for God. A guy who starts off with great humility. He, he, he shows good leadership and submission to God in those early days. But as he gets older, as he gets older, the more rapidly he turns away from following God well, and it leads to a great crash. Um, my heart for this series isn't just to set us on a good, a good direction when it comes to following God well, but I want us to stay on that direction. And so for the next couple weeks, uh, there's, a few, there's a few warnings just as we watch what happens to a guy who started well, but then, and then made some slight shifts leading to devastating consequences. And we don't want that for, for any of us for any of us here in this church. Uh, last week, we talked about one of the subtle shifts. We talked about the subtle shift of moving from fully obeying God to only mostly, mostly obeying God. And we saw that in that little shift, devastating consequences. Dev it seems like such a small thing to us, from fully obeying to mostly, mostly obeying God. But we, with Saul, it was just an incredible disaster, an incredible disaster in his life. So today we're picking up um, with Saul as he continues his falling away from following, following God well. And we're going to see another shift that takes place in his heart, a, a subtle shift, another warning for us. So here's what we're going to talk about today. If you want to make a difference for God, if you want to follow God well all the days of your life, then you're going to need to be keenly astute to the subtle heart shift between serving God for God and serving God for you. You're going to have to become extremely astute to identifying when you are serving God for God versus serving God for you. Both are serving God. Both, both, both are, are, are just serving God, but it's why. Why am I serving God? Am I serving God so that God's plans and purposes are, are, are successful, are advancing in my generation? Or am I serving God so that I, I get perks? because I'm serving God. Because if I follow God well, then I'm going to get extra bonus points. Why am I following God? And, and, and what's, the, what's the root behind this? As we see with Saul here, that subtle shift between following God for God and following God for you, that subtle shift brings Saul into a dark place in a hurry. And so we're going to look at this tonight. And I encourage you to, to look at the Saul stories with, with humility. Because this stuff can happen to every one of us. And I think that's why I like looking at Saul. 
In fact, I, th I wanted to do a, just a series on Saul, but it was so dark. I'm like, we've got to throw in some Hannah and Samuel in here uh, to, to, to keep it happy. But, but when I look at Saul, it's very easy to look at his story and just write him off. Oh, he does it bad. He crashes and burns. Let's get to David. But what the shifts that I see with Saul, they just feel like the same shifts that I am tempted by in my own heart. And, and I see so many people struggling with these subtle shifts. Mostly following God is fine enough. Things like that. Well, let's look at this. Before I start reading, we're going to be skipping ahead a few chapters. We're going to be picking up in 1 Samuel 18, but last week we were in 1 Samuel 15. And what's happened between those two, two, um, uh, between those two bits of the Bible is uh, we've been introduced to this guy named David. David has been anointed king by Samuel, and he has now started to work for King Saul a as a musician, and, and he, would, he would play music when an evil spirit would come upon Saul. And so he's now employed by, by King Saul. Also, there's been this, um, I don't know, not often talked about, hardly anybody ever knows about it, this story of a big giant and, and, and a scared king, and the king was so scared that he wouldn't go out and fight, even though that was his job, and so uh, this little shepherd boy goes out named David, and, um, and I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a story I can hardly remember. You, you can look it up, chapter 17, David and Goliath. But really, uh, we, those, those passages were just about David, or, or basically an introduction to David, and our study is about Saul. And so you get to chapter 18, and you start to look again at what's going on with Saul and his, and his decline. So we're going to look at this, and we're going to look at the subtle shifting between serving God for God and serving God for you. 1 Samuel chapter 18, starting in verse... Okay It says this David marched out with the army And was successful in everything Saul sent him to do Saul put him in command of the soldiers Which pleased all the people and Saul's servants as well As the troops were coming back When David was returning from killing Philistine, uh, the Philistine uh, The the women came out from all the cities of Israel to meet King Saul, singing and dancing with tambourines, with shouts of joy, and with three-stringed instruments. As they celebrated, the women sang, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. Saul was furious, and he resented this song. They credited tens of thousands to David, he complained. But they only credited me with thousands? What more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul watched David jealously from that day forward. It takes a lot of humility. It takes a lot of humility to see the moment when we stop celebrating that God is doing great things and that God is raising up amazing people to start getting upset and insecure and, and even jealous when we see that others are rising up who are doing maybe even better things than, 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 than we've done in the past. And, and that could be a real heart check moment. And, and even though it may be hard to self-perceive when we've shifted from serving God for God to serving God for, for us and, and maybe how we rank in all of that, it might be easier to identify some of the symptoms, some of the symptoms uh, that come out of our hearts when we shift from 
serving God for God versus serving God for us. The first symptom that we see in this passage is insecurity, is insecurity. And what that looks like is Saul twists this great thing, the rising up of David, God twists this good thing into a bad thing. So God's got this amazing thing going on, but Saul becomes obsessed with how he might be perceived and how his ranking might go down and, and, and what his status is. David is a gift to Saul and the nation. He's this highly successful warrior who can majorly help out Saul and, and the kingdom be safe from the, from the Philistine invaders. God's raising up the next generation now, David is either 40 or 42 years younger than King Saul. Uh, we're not exactly, either, Dave, either Saul died at 70 or 72, a little bit confused on that one. Either way, there's about a 40-year age difference or a 42-year age difference. And God is bringing in David because God has a plan for the future. God has a plan for the future after Saul dies, and that plan isn't just for the next generation, but actually God's plan for, for David is for every generation that's going up all the way down until we're introduced to the king of kings in the line of David, Jesus of Nazareth, the, the savior and hope of the world. God has this huge plan when it comes to David. But Saul... In his insecurity, he starts viewing this good and wonderful and, and, and amazing raising up of David and, and the success of David. He starts twisting that to a bad, dark, evil thing in, in his heart. Be aware of insecurity. Be, be aware of, of insecurity. Beware of insecurity in your heart. It's no small thing. It's no small thing to have insecurity in your heart. It is a major threat when it comes to following God well. See, the enemy is masterful at manipulating insecure people. They're poised, ready to be manipulated. The enemy is masterful at manipulating insecure people into doing horrible things to themselves and doing horrible things to, to other people. And it's stunning how evilly an insecure person can treat someone when that other person deserves so much better. And yet out of insecurity, they just treat them horribly. Saul, he's insecure. Don't know what for. He's turning heads when he walks through the door. Or, or. Don't need makeup to cover up. Being the way that he is is enough. Everyone else in the room can see it. Everyone else. Stop, stop, get it. Okay, what I don't like about that One Direction song when it comes to, um, well, there's nothing not to like, right? But, but, but when it comes to, when it comes to the uh, Saul here, uh, Saul's security isn't to be rooted in him and who he is and his makeup. It is to be rooted in his, his connection to God and what God's plans and purposes are uh, more than, than his own. So he's insecure. Uh, another symptom that we saw in verse 8 uh, when he was shifting from serving God for God versus serving God for, for himself was um, the word here was furious, furious. I, I, for our notes, I'm just using the word anger. 
toning it down a little bit. Um, when, when, it's, when it deals with our own anger, if you're anything like me, I like to tone down the word choice. I'm not angry, I'm upset. Yeah, that, that sort of thing. Upset is just another word for anger. I'm annoyed, another word for anger. I'm furious, all, all the same thing. Ang- anger, anger, anger. So uh, in this case, he's angry when he's being praised, when David's being praised, when he feels like it, it should be him. Now, it can be humbling. A real test of our pride when we see other people being celebrated and praised when we, when we think it ought to be us. From, from Saul's point of view, he's the king. He's the king. It's, it's his country. David works for him. David just, he's just one of his, his, his people. Why is David getting more praise? Uh, in our day, hey, you, you might be like, hey, I did all the work on this, and this other guy's getting all the credit. Or, or I, where was that guy when we were coming up with a plan and building this thing, and then, and now, and now they're just kind of sweeping in, and oh, they're they're so amazing. Yeah, we did all the work, and and uh, there's there's so many ways. Um, what makes you angry? We can see what makes Saul furious here. What makes you angry? What makes you angry? Oftentimes, deeply thinking about what it is that actually makes you angry, what are the things that push, push your buttons, very often, figuring that out can help us understand maybe some, some areas where godly growth and maturity might be needed. Uh, not always, but, uh, but it is here with Saul, and it is here often often with me Saul could have stepped back in this moment Saul could have stepped back and asked God about this David guy God what are your plans and purposes for David is he a threat he could be is God is David a threat to me is David a threat to this nation or is he your person for the next generation is he your choice is this is he a threat or is he your work and god i submit to you what do you want me to do with this person named david who's really successful if saul was serving god for god that would be his question god what are you doing what do you want to do with this person but he wasn't and so we see furiousness and then we see resentment the next one resentment just birth an unhealthy pride resentment again it takes humility to follow god well it, it takes a heart that, that that's consistently seeking what it what, what it is that god wants for a person or for a situation saul wants to be praised uh he wants to be the the amazing one but what is god wanting in this situation fourthly that we see here is jealousy Jealousy. It said, uh, it said in verse 9, so Saul watched David jealously from that point forward. Now, there's good jealousy. Uh, all through the Bible, we'll see God describe himself as his love is a jealous love. There is uh, being made in God's image. We carry some of that uh, good love of God that, that has an aspect of jealousy. In God's good, jealous love, there is an exclusivity um, in love in those that he's in a covenant with. He doesn't want us to worship other gods, just him. Same in marriage. There's a good, jealous exclusivity there. Um, Also, God's jealous love has a protective aspect to it. We want to protect 
those that we love. Uh, the third thing that we see in God's jealous love is a, a, a condemning of unfaithfulness. I'm not going to be okay with unfaithfulness in this exclusive relationship. We, we see those aspects. Now, the thing is, is jealousy is so powerful that when it gets into our corrupted hearts, we t- it, it goes wild and we just miss jealousy just becomes dark all over the place and 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 even if we think it's it's a good jealousy it's probably not the way that we just it just goes uh dark in all kinds of ways but we were made in god's image and we're made to love and we have jealousy but it, we got to be extremely careful because it motivates all kinds of evil all kinds of evil Now, just to be clear, the difference between envy and jealousy, envy is when you don't have something, they do, and you want it. Jealousy is when you have something, and you're afraid that they're going to come and take it away, or that something is at stake here. Saul has the kingdom, he has the kingship, he's worried that David is going to come and take it away, so he keeps a jealous eye on David. Interesting, though, um, David is going to have a very similar dilemma moment in about 30 years. So right now, David's the young guy who everybody's loving and praising. In about 30 years from now, it's going to be David's son, Absalom. And er the whole nation is going to think Absalom's amazing. In fact, so much so that they're going to gather together and they're going to make Absalom king while David's still alive. David has a choice. He chooses to flee for his life. But he... He, and, and as he's fleeing, he, he submits his future to God. He's like, no, if God wants me back in this role, he will bring me back. And there's a huge difference looking at what happens with David when Absalom rises up and takes over versus what Saul does when David is rising up. Um, and I think that it saved David's heart, that the fact that he entrusted the kingdom to God as opposed to just when a death grip of jealousy over it. I think it saved his heart, that, that open-handedness. Anyway, so Saul, instead of entrusting God with the kingship, he, he uh, grabs onto untrusting jealousy. Now, we are all going to have moments where we're going to feel threatened. Where we're going to feel threatened by someone, or we're going to feel threatened by something. When insecurity might rise up, rise up, or anger might, might raise up, or resentment, or, or pride might start to, to raise up, where all of a sudden, jealousy to, starts to fight to take over, to take over our, our hearts and our, our minds. And when that rises up, when those feelings rise up, it's a very dangerous moment for you. When those feelings rise up, it's a very dangerous moment. And, and, and especially if you want to be a man or a woman who follows God well, how you respond in those moments with insecurities and jealousies and anger and all that stuff flares up is either going to keep you on the path of, of following God well and serving God for God and His plans and His, pur- His purposes, or you're going to see yourself become a, a self-focused person who might look like you're following God well on the outside, but on the inside, it's all kind of darkness. When confronted with these intense feelings, two paths open up. Uh, the trusting God path and the self-focused path. Now, Saul is going to take the 
untrusting path, the self-focused path. And so as a warning, we're going to look at that first, and then we're going to look at an example of, of, the, of the right way to do it. Um, but what are some of the results when we let insecurity, anger, resentment, jealousy take root in our hearts? Let's see, verse 10. So that's going on. Verse 10, the next day, an evil spirit sent from God took control of Saul. And he began to rave inside the palace. Not, not like this, different rave. David was playing the lyre as usual, but Saul was holding a spear. And he threw it, thinking, I'll pin David to the wall. But David got away from him twice. When you allow insecurity, anger, resentment, jealousy, take up space in your heart towards someone, you are throwing your heart wide open. You're throwing your heart wide open to partner with the enemy and the agenda of hell. It becomes nearly impossible to participate in the plan of heaven. When you have, when you're, when you, when insecurity and, and jealousy and anger are coursing through your veins, instead we we end up with this unknown, uh, eager willingness to join with the demonic agenda for another person's downfall and humiliation. God's plan is for David to be the next king. Saul's plan for David is to become the next funeral. Very different plans. Very different agendas. So let's just stop for a moment. Is there someone you feel insecure about? Just don't say anything else. Is there someone you feel insecure about? Is there someone you feel anger and resentment towards? Furious anger, resentment towards? Or maybe jealousy? Is there someone you just feel jealousy towards? If you identify someone like that, very likely that the desires, your ideal desires that you have for them are more like hell than heaven. It's humbling. It's humbling that we might have thoughts and, and desires for another person's future that resemble more the enemy's plans for their lives than God's plans for their lives. And, and, and if, that's, if that's you or all of us, we, we, we have this prayer moment where we're like, God, forgive me. Forgive me, I have this heart towards this person. I've got this heart towards this person. I release them to you now. I want your plans and purposes, God. I want your plans and purposes for them. Forgive me for having such a heart, for having such evil hopes uh, for, for them. Let your plans be their future. And let me rejoice in that. I choose to rejoice in that hard stuff well for the sake of our notes insecurity anger resentment jealousy they cause uh, they cause Saul to to respond in three evil ways towards David first of all evil behavior and that might be an understatement he was trying to murder him twice throwing a spear at him evil behavior you know it, loosely speaking um hopefully that's not the case here in in any of us in in this room and yet we're not much different when, when we are mean to people. When we're just mean. 
Maybe the way that we look at them, the way that we talk about them, the way that we treat them. Just me. Treating someone with an evil meanness because of jealousy is clear evidence you're probably not serving God's heart for them, but for your own. Well, we go on to read more about different evil ways that Saul treats David, uh, starting in verse 12. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was, diff- was with David, but had left Saul. Therefore, Saul reassigned David and made him commander over 1,000 men. Major demotion, major demotion. So um, I'm using the word demeaning, demotion, bringing down, evil demeaning. So instead of praising and promoting David for his success and his giftedness and all that he was doing for the country, out of jealousy, he reduced his ability to be successful and he, and he pushed him down. And instead of promoting him, uh, greatly reduced his role. It's, it's demeaning. Now, David is a great example of responding rightly. And if you are being pushed down in whatever your circumstances, David is a pretty great person to look at. Uh, but if you are the Saul, and it's, you know, may it never be, right? May we never be that person. But if you are the one pushing down those who ought to be lifted up because of jealousy, that's evil. If we're, if we're trying to push people down who ought to be lifted up because of our jealousy, it's, it's evil. When you're, when you're demeaning someone emotionally or, or, or in any way who has proven themselves, and we're doing that because of our jealous heart towards them, again, it just shows clear evidence of our, of our heart having shifted from God's priorities to our own priorities. And then we keep reading, in, continuing in verse 13, David led the troops... And continued to be successful in all of his activities because the Lord was with him. When Saul observed that David was very successful, he dreaded him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he was leading their troops. Then, so Saul told David, Here is my oldest daughter, Merib. I give her to you as a wife, if you will be a warrior for me and fight the Lord's battles. But Saul was thinking, My hand doesn't need to be against him. Let the hand of the Philistines be against him. Evil scheming. Evil scheming. Evilly scheming someone's device. Now, it's Saul's heart here to see David fall whilst he looks good and innocent. Well, while Saul, Saul looks amazing. I mean, hey, um, the whole nation, I, I, want, I want people to love me. I want the nation to think I'm amazing. So here is the princess, my oldest daughter, Merib. And, and, and you can marry the princess And you can be a part of my family Oh, that's Saul, what an amazing guy Oh, wow, but his motives behind it are so evil He's setting David up If you find yourself scheming Or trying to manipulate situations So that the person that you're insecure about Or, or jealous about or whatever Is potentially going to be brought down While you look good and innocent and, and like, hey, I was trying to do a good thing here Welcome to Saul-like partnership with the demonic agenda. Not God's. Now, in this story, God's going to rescue David, and he's going to promote David inside of Saul's evil treatment of David, but that's not the point. The point is, what about you? What kind of person do you want to be? Do you want to be someone where it, God is doing his great work in our generation in spite of you fighting against it? 
Or do you want to be someone who is joining with what God wants to be done and saying, God, what you want is what I want. I'm all in, my whole heart, my, my whole being. Some great examples of, of that other path, uh, John the Baptist. John the Baptist. John the Baptist is preaching. He's got lots of crowds of people. And then, and then Jesus comes along, and crowds are going away from him towards Jesus. And his statement is clearly serving God for God, not serving God for himself. And he says, he must increase, and I must decrease. That perfectly captures the humility required to follow God well all the days of our lives. To keep on God's agenda, even if that means I must decrease. I must decrease. Jesus also does this in the garden where he has uh, his desire and he says, God, not my will, Father, not my will, but yours be done. But yours be done. If you want to make a difference, if you want to follow God well all the days of your life, you're going to need to learn how to be keenly astute to the subtle heart shift between serving God for God and serving God for you. To not tolerate insecurity, to not tolerate anger, resentment, to not tolerate jealousy of great people that God wants to use for his plans and purposes, and instead to be someone who's continually seeking God's heart for them and then joining in God's heart for them. Walking in the opposite spirit of insecurity. Walking in the opposite spirit of jealousy and instead seeking to help them be more successful. It takes great humility. It takes great humility to follow God well all the days of your life. And so often the real war is won or lost in our hearts and no one knows it. Some of the greatest victories we have for God are won or lost right here. And you can look amazing on the outside, but you lose it here, you've lost it. You lost it. Now, I know we can win it here because we have God's Spirit. If you've given your life to Jesus, we have God's Holy Spirit within us, and we've got great examples and warnings in the Bible. Saul is our warning. This idea of not my will, but yours, God, that's, that's our calling. I've got two challenges for us today. Challenge number one is uh, list the top one, two, three people who surface feelings of insecurity, anger, resentment, or, or jealousy. Uh, just, and don't tell them. Like, like I don't want to be standing by the door, Pastor, it's you. Pastor, it's you. Anger, anger. It's, it's resentment for me. Thank you. Uh, it's it's uh, insecurity, insecurity. I understand. Uh, don't do that. Instead, number two, confess those feelings to God and ask God to change your heart to match his. This is a subtle but essential battle. And with the Holy Spirit, you can do it. With humility and in partnership with the Holy Spirit, you can do it. And you can live your life following God well all the days of your life. We, we, um, we're going to take a time of, we're going to have a time to, to worship Jesus. We're going to have the worship team come up.